0: I just want to call out one person,
1: and I hate myself a lot.
2: But stop! Uh,
1: you're getting punched in the dick.
0: There needs to be more Street Shark references. I say who?
1: That's funny as hell. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Underqualified and Overcompensated Podcast. I am your host with the least most, as always, shining bright in the light like a diamond, Rhodes. uh, Today, I'm not joined by First. Sadly, he is protecting the freedom of drunken and degenerate soldiers, uh, making sure they're all good to go. Enrico is running a little late protecting the one and lone important person, but today we are graced with the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> OG podcaster, and Libertarian Vice Presidential Candidate, Spike Cohen. Spike, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, Rhodes. How are you doing?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's, uh, it's hot as literal balls outside, because uh, I'm in Central Texas, so it is... Oof so hot. (laughs) I think it's like 105 outside right now.
2: Yeah. It's like, it's in the nineties here, but I live uh, a few blocks from the ocean. So we at least get that ocean breeze, but I can't imagine just being way inland with this, with this heat right now. I, I, I thoughts and and prayers to you.
1: Oh, it's getting, it's getting bad. We, we have the, uh, the respiratory illness, like testing clinic for COVID-19 and, uh, these guys are outside all day. God. And, uh, it's yeah it it gets hot and they're just constantly outside swabbing people and screening i walk past them as i walk into the hospital to go to work in the ac and i'm like oh that sucks
2: (laughs) yeah that's terrible you look out the window and you're like oh man that's that's terrible for them as i drive by my car to go to
1: lunch i'm like oh yeah that's that's bad
2: (laughs) like just that brief time that you're turning your car on and waiting for the ac to come and you're like oh man i know exactly what they're going through now this is terrible (laughs) Poor guys.
1: I, I've I've worked so long in the outside as a line medic and I've been in those terrible situations, hundred degrees outside, living yeah, yeah. in a 17-ton iron box on wheels. So I've been there, done that. Now I get my glory days. Now it's
2: your time to be comfortable. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Now <laughs> it's your time for comfort. Yeah.
1: So how how are you doing, Spike? How is how is everything treating you? I know well, I don't know, but um you always hear about how grueling campaigns are and you're, you're, I know from talking to Brian, your guys' media manager, that you are constantly doing interviews, traveling around the country. So how how is everything going for you?
2: It's going well. This is, it's pretty much what I expected. Now it's it's different to expect something and to I guess visualize what something's going to be like, and then to actually experience it. Those are even when you have a pretty good concept of what it's going to look like, which I, I think I have so far. Mm-hmm. Actually, then doing it is a totally different thing. Um, but no, it's it's been good. I've had a fantastic time. I doing this run, however far it got me. I wanted to leverage this campaign to do what I've been doing with Muddy Waters Media and what I've been doing uh, for many years now, which is to reach people with the message of liberty, to spread the message of liberty outside of libertarian circles. Libertarians are great at talking to other libertarians about libertarianism, and there are some that are are actually trying to reach out and 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 reach people. Uh, outside of our circle, so we can become an actual effective movement that is making changes on a on a you know on a on a on a, on a national and even global scale um, mm-hmm. but i uh, you know so that's what i've been doing is is using this campaign as a, a a way to spread that message of liberty with the idea that if we can change the cultural conversation away from you know, ever-growing government and, and towards the idea of taking the power back so that we have more power and more control over our lives and are able to, to live better and, and prosper and thrive as a result uh, and, and have a better quality of life as a result of that, um, that will eventually lead, or I say eventually, it will pretty quickly lead to people saying, well, if this is the conversation and if this is the better way, Let's vote libertarian. Let's vote for people that actually want, you know, to give power back to the people and take it away from government instead of the opposite, which is just constantly giving more and more power and wealth and, and, and control to government and, and seeing a constant erosion of our rights and liberties and property on a daily basis.
1: Mm-hmm. So with that, uh, to just jump right into it, um, mm-hmm. the, the libertarians are about getting freedom back to the people and yep. taking away from the government just a little bit. Because, uh, and what I find is that you have kind of a split sect uh, in the libertarian movement. One side is kind of like, okay, a little bit less from the government, a little bit more for the people. And then kind of the other side, kind of like the far right of the libertarians, they're like, no government, free for all, Mad Max reality. And so do you kind of feel that we do need government? Like, it is a necessary kind of evil thing that you need to have, um, but you just want to have it to where it's not as controlling as what it is or what it's growing to be.
2: We are running on something somewhere between the extremes of having a completely free market society where every service that you get is from, you know, cooperation and from competing providers, and there's no coercion involved. And, you know, people saying, well, maybe we can just stop the growth of government and maybe make it a little bit smaller. We are running on a a fairly... uh, uh, some would say radical, I would say necessary platform of scaling back the what we have right now, which is endless war, uh, the uh, ever increased militarization of the police state, uh, a, a growing chattel slavery uh, that we have in this country where an, a growing number of people uh, are being put in cages for decades for engaging in victimless commerce, usually uh, to, to feed their own addiction. And then they end up in jail where they're used for let's call it what it is. It's chattel slavery. They're not allowed to leave and they're working for free or for pennies a day. And they're being leveraged out. And actually they're being contracted by multi-billion dollar uh, private prison or or actually private labor contractors who are making so much money that they're actually traded on the stock market. I mean, Unicor and others are making tens of billions of dollars a year uh, uh, contracting out prison labor, um, and to the point where most states now have an actual um, quota for a minimum number of you, the American people who live in their states that have to be in prison at any given time, which means that their entire system is built around creating laws to just put people in the prisons. It's not about public safety. It's about filling their quotas because they have contracts with uh, you know prison labor contractors uh, that they have to fulfill to make sure that there are enough. People in cages and in chains doing free work, uh, un- uh, undoing all of that, getting government out of healthcare so that we can afford it again, um, getting uh, stopping where the crony businesses can run up their their the the cost of their drugs a hundred or a thousand times for drugs like insulin and epinephrine, things that have been around for longer than most of us have been alive, uh, but because they have those government patent protections, they're able to jack up the prices. Ending all of that getting the government out of education. We've spent uh, something like $2 trillion at the federal level on education. And the literacy rate has gone down during that time. We want to take the power out of the hands of the the, the, the pandering, craven politicians and the well-heeled, politically connected billionaire cronies who bought and paid for them to be in office and the, and the bureauc- bureaucrat class that has been built around these ridiculous systems and give the power back to the American people. Um, so that's, you know, call it radical, call it uh you know whatever you want to call it but i call it common sense i think it's a common sense thing to say government the republicans and democrats have utterly failed us with their centrally planned arbitrarily defined and crony friendly uh, policies that have been at the expense of everyone else in the country and it's time to take the power back and and, and put the power and the wealth and the and the decision making ability back in the hands of the american people where it always belonged
1: i i I I like that. I I like how you said that because I think that is very important. And a lot of people, they just kind of, they go through their day. They, a lot of us live good lives. So as long as you're living a good life and you're not really experiencing too much of the infrequencies with legislation and politics, you don't really see the major uptrend. And then you what's happening down this list. Yep. And there's been several shows coming out, like pointing that out. Um, the, uh, Hassan Minaj on Netflix. I really like his show because Mm -hmm. he goes into things that you wouldn't even think of in the same way with, um, uh, last week tonight with uh, John John Oliver. Yeah. John Oliver. I love him because they, they find these points that no one's really thinking about, uh, eviction rates, police States. Um, they went over the, the prison policies. Like you were saying, I did not know that they had that minimum amount.
2: Yeah. It's, it's wild. You, in order to meet those, I
1: know a lot of people are getting imprisoned for minor things and it's ridiculous for, you know, uh, I'm from Idaho, so marijuana is illegal. Right. And I've had several friends through the years that have gotten arrested and put in jail for marijuana possession. And it's, it's something in the, in the rest of the country is like marijuana is okay. And then you have these fine States where a lot of people are getting arrested for dumb shit.
2: Yep. Yep. Or even for stuff like, so for example, no one thinks it should be legal to, you know, shoplift or steal someone's wallet or something like that. There should be a punishment for that. The problem is, if you treat it as a jailable offense, if you put people in jail, not because they're a threat to others, but because that's how we punish people, what ends up happening is after they've been in a couple of times, well, now they're going to spend many years there because they have, uh, uh, you know, frequent violations. Now, it is true that they should not be robbing people. And the way that you fix that is by addressing why they're robbing people and and, and 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 get them into diversion programs and things to get them off of that so that they can then go and thrive and not rob anyone else. What happens is when you're constantly criminalizing people, not just for victimless crimes like you know using or selling drugs or sex work or something like that, but also for crimes that have a victim but are relatively minor and could be punished in a more... Um, and addressed in a, in, a, in a way that actually restores both the victim and the perpetrator so that that doesn't happen again. And that person, the, 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 both the victim and the perpetrator can go on to live better and, and lives and, and thrive. If instead you treat someone who's like a shoplifter and you put them in jail and then they get out and now they've got a criminal record, So it's that much harder for them to be able to get a good job. It's that much harder for them to be able to, you know, be able to to get ahead. And so they're probably living on some form of assistance and they may end up going back to what they tried to do the first time because A, it's the only thing that's really left for them to be able to do well because of all the burdens and barriers that are in place for all of us who try to get ahead. Uh, You know, if you don't have tens of thousands of dollars and you want to start a business, good luck. Because that's what you need to be able to do it just in compliance costs, just to get the licensing and everything that you need to be able to do it. Even something like braiding hair or, you know, or, or, or mowing lawns or being an electrician or something like that. Just the cost of compliance is in the tens of thousands. So they're criminalizing uh, poor people trying to get ahead in life. Um, but now if you got that criminal record, it's that much harder. And at this point, you've gotten used to jail. So you go, okay, well, I guess I'll rob someone else. And if that doesn't work, then I end up back in prison. And I'm used to that now anyway. And so they feed, it's designed to feed people into the system of just going to jail and becoming resigned to it. It is imprisoning people in their brains and then eventually physically as well for the rest of their lives. And it is to the direct benefit of billionaires who are making a fortune on their free prison labor. I find that to be theft. It's legal, but it is far worse theft to take from the labor of millions of people than it is to take someone's wallet. It, mm-hmm. That should also be punished, but that is far less of a crime in my mind from a moral standpoint than stealing the labor of millions of people.
1: Well, it, yeah. And that it, they're just using that. And it's, it's, it's taking advantage of the system. And yep. then you also have the, the, their lobbyists that go and they try to make that more an act. And mm-hmm. like you brought up the, the pharmacy, the pharmaceuticals as well, they do the same thing. Yep. They, they get these government contracts and then they drive up their price. And then you have companies that not only sell, you know, opioids like fentanyl, but they also sell arcan mm-hmm. or, or, Narcan. So they're selling the drug that people are getting hooked on. And mm-hmm. then also not the cure, but what treats it when they OD
2: it's, and the And those people are rewarded with billions of dollars, but then some guy who's selling coke to support his own coke addiction ends up in prison for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. That's what we have in this country. Republicans and Democrats have had exclusive control of every lever of power in government, not just at the federal level, but at the state and local level. For over 160 years, this entire system was built by them. They create this political theater to make you think that, oh, well, this is the good side and that's the bad side, or this is the good side or that's the bad side. All I invite you to do, if you're a Republican, you're a Democrat, you think that Donald Trump is Hitler, you think that Joe Biden is a far-left communist who hates America, whatever. Take a step back and look at the history. (laughs) The history is of Republicans and Democrats using political theater against each other, but working together. If you read the actual legislation, you look at the actual policies, how they were implemented. Every single thing we are facing was done with Republicans and Democrats holding hands together and marching it through the American people and shoving it down our throats. We see that now with these uh, with the, the the bailouts that just happened with COVID-19. They gave trillions of dollars in your money to billionaires to make sure that their bottom line wasn't even affected remotely by this de- by the downturn as a result of the lockdowns, there are some sectors like airlines and hotels whose bottom line is actually better than it was if it, everything had just remained the same because the bailouts were so generous that they actually got more money than they would have gotten if if they had just been able to to continue doing business as usual. You got twelve hundred bucks again of your own money. They didn't just you know, make yeah, that's money our tax money. money that, that was your KFB own money. money. <laughs> it's worse than your tax money. It's federal reserve notes that are then lent uh, are lent to the federal government for you to pay back over the next 40 years with interest. The amount of money that hmm. they spent on these bailouts on the CARES Act was the equivalent of being able to give every single American, not every taxpayer, not every household, every American, including children, 16 or $17,000. Instead, they gave you 1200 bucks, and the other fourteen or $15,000, they gave to everyone else and they stuck you with that bill with interest and they told you to stay home until further notice. And then they told you that if you don't comply with what they say, a police officer will come well within six feet of you and arrest you and take you to a jail where you are almost certain to get COVID-19. And the threat there from the Republicans is very explicit. Do what we say or we will infect you.
1: Yeah, that's it's kind of they're they're going they're going deep with it and in this control and and, and I want to get into the COVID nineteen thing because as, as medics we uh, we have our opinions about it um, of course but uh, ladies and gentlemen pause for just a second because oh good, have good, good here we Rico with us uh, <laughs> Rico Spike
2: Spike Rico hey Rico Hello. how are you doing <laughs> glad to
0: have you on sorry I'm late I'm normally very punctual but uh, I was waiting on someone to relieve me
2: that's fine i uh i've had that problem in the past too as
1: as anyone who's been in the military you understand that uh you're waiting on people (laughs) you're waiting on people a lot and if you're waiting to be relieved you're just gonna be waiting yep no i hope when you get back you smoke the shit out of that soldier
0: nah I didn't solve anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It'll make me feel better.
2: It's a catharsis, right? Like, yeah. uh, It doesn't help. It just makes you feel better.
1: Yeah, it makes the situation zero better, but it makes me feel just a, just a smidge better. <laughs> scene a little sweat bit it better, off.
2: briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: McCready <laughs> said he'll have your counseling ready by Monday.
2: Oh, uh, what am I going to do?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Rigo, we were we we hit a lot. in the the past few minutes spike just kind of gave us the full rundown of a lot of different things and uh i i so far spike i'm super impressed you're just going off with these key points and (laughs) you've shown more consistency with the information than i've seen from most presidential candidates um, as of recently and or in the past 15 20 years
2: well thank you that means a lot to me that's i mean.
1: I mean that's your job. You're you're the vice president. That's what you should. Well, I mean be technically our
2: uh, the historically the job of politicians is to lie and pander and say whatever it <laughs> takes to get into office. The beauty of what Joe and I are doing is that we are consistently applying libertarian principles and the libertarian ethos to what is happening on a daily basis. So we don't have to wait to come up with our, you know, finely tuned pandering talking points. We look at what's happening, we apply our, our policies to it, we apply our ideas to it consistently and that way, I don't have to worry about what Joe's saying. Joe doesn't have to worry about what I'm saying because we know we're saying the same thing. We're both principled libertarians, and we both know that we have the same common sense solutions and and ideas, and we're able to both articulate the direct benefits that people will have as a result of undoing the bad centrally planned policies, top-down, one-size-fits-alls crony friendly policies of the republicrats and replacing them with common sense libertarian solutions. We know what the benefits will be and it allows us to be consistent. It allows us to to, to stay uh stay true to our, our messaging because we're not having to finally craft what we have to say around, you know, how's this gonna play in Peoria, which I'm saying that because I'm gonna be in Peoria in two days, but uh so I'm actually going to play in Peoria, but we're not doing, we're not focus group testing our stuff. We're just applying libertarianism, and we know that libertarianism works. We know that the idea of taking the power out of the hands of the most powerful people around us who have taken it from us so that they can centralize the power and and divvy out wealth and power to their their well-heeled crony friends and putting it back in the hands of the American people so that we can apply the spontaneous and and, and dynamic nature of human action in a, in a market and a people set free. We know that that works, and we simply have to, have to say it. So it makes my job easy, and I can put my head down on, on the, the pillow at night know that i didn't you know lie and pander to people
1: i i agree i mean and, and that's the point just be honest and, and use common sense I find exactly a lot of people say that common sense isn't so common and <laughs> i think it's people they, they pull their own opinions they pull their own views and right. people are so set in it so with with the election the libertarian i kind of find it not not as a third option i find it as the common sense kind of middle of the road option because libertarianism kind of pulls from both sides of of the aisle as per se um and a majority of it is just because if it doesn't affect the other person you're left and right who gives a shit? and so with that with with this campaign you guys running are you guys i wouldn't say necessarily focused because you're just trying to do what you're trying to do and get your word out there um but they talk about you know swing voters and people in the middle people who would vote one or the other? What would you kind of say for them about libertarianism? What's appealing to kind of those middle of the road? Because people who are hard left or hard right, they're not going to swing over to the middle. They're not not going immediately. To... The, the, yeah, it's going to take time.
2: So I, I see this. Uh... I guess roughly the same as how you've said, I, I guess I just word it differently. So I think there, there are th- three main groups of voters and uh, taking out the left and the right and the Republican and Democrat and all that, the three main groups of voters. Uh, you have the people that are dead set for Republicans and Democrats, they they are just and 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 they they've often just they've been doing it a long time. You're not going to change their mind unless there's been a massive sea change in the electorate. They're just not going to do it. Uh, They they think that Donald Trump is the best and Joe Biden's the worst because that's what the media that they that they consume tells them, or vice versa. They believe that Joe Biden's the best, Donald Trump's the worst. They believe what their media tells them, and 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 they're going to largely stay that way. Then you've got your I call them your hold your nose voters. They. And I guess you could call them swing voters as well. They could vote for Trump. They could vote for Biden. And typically, if you look at them, it's not that they aren't really sure whose policies they agree with. They're trying to determine which one they hate the least. And it's, so it's, it's, it's less- It's the
1: shiniest of two-turned-Mendali.
2: Swing voters often aren't moderates. They're just trying to figure out which side's going to hurt them less. And it's 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 really like it's it's diminishing returns as policy. They are sitting there going, oh, gosh, these people suck. What- Uh, I I guess this one's not as bad as this one. And that's why they often make decisions at the last minute, because it's usually like what was the last terrible thing they heard and who was it about? And they go, all right, fine, I'll vote for the other one. Uh, But they are not happy. But they aren't necessarily going to immediately vote third party because they're also trying to stop this side by voting for this side or, or stop this side by voting for this side. And they're the constantly third told group, that your third party vote is going to be wasted. Where and that's where that that's and and those people who are dead set one one or the other are the ones that say that. They and the and the 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 politicians themselves and the corporate media that has a vested interest in keeping their favored bought and paid for politicians in office absolutely have to push forward that narrative. Then you've got a group of people that make up roughly 40 percent, 40 to 50 percent on in any given election of the electorate. Eligible voters who don't vote. They don't vote. They voted before, but they're, they're, they're not voting. And the reason they aren't voting, if you listen to what they have to say, anytime they've done any surveys or focus groups of these people, the reason they don't vote is they don't believe any politician. They, they recognize that politicians lie, get into office, do whatever the hell they want. They don't see a difference between Republican and Democrat at all, or at least not enough for them to get up on a Tuesday and, and, and vote, uh, or even to mail in a vote. They just they don't see any real difference. They think the government's largely built around being out to get them at the at the benefit of very wealthy, powerful people. P- pretty much everything I've said so far on this show. Uh, so these are people that naturally uh, are, even if they aren't libertarian in their political philosophy, they're libertarian in their mindset of understanding how the government is treating them and how the politicians are treating them. And so we are reaching them. We are reaching the hold your nose voters uh, within that group of hold your nose voters and people that don't vote are two entire generations, the younger millennials and and Gen Z, who have been left completely behind by the system in a way that no other generation has. These are the first two generations in, in, in modern American history that are actually going to do financially worse than the generations before them. Every generation has done at least a little bit better than the one before them financially and socially, except for the millennials and except for Gen Z. And Gen Z, it's going to be brutal.
1: They're gonna have I don't. I don't really like mean... that reality. Having the fact I'm in that, I'm in that category, and I'm also broke. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, so I, I'm, I'm already th- broke, and I don't like.
2: That. Well, I'm, and that, like, so th- and this is who I. You are who I'm speaking to. So I am 38 years old. I am an old millennial. I'm like one year off from from being Gen X. So I have watched this happen in real time. And and it it is it is happening. And and the problem is when Gen Z, when when millennial younger millennials talk to the older generations about their problems, the older generations will say stuff like, "Well, you know, maybe you shouldn't eat so much avocado." And and you know, (laughs) I was thrifty when I was your age. I was thrifty. I worked my way through school, and within a few years of getting out, I was able to buy my own house. Well, yeah, because. The wages were only 20, 30% lower back then than they are now. And the cost of living was a fraction. It was like 5 to 10%, depending on how old they are, what it is now. Yeah. If a house costs 50 grand... And student and and the cost of tuition was five to 10 grand. Yeah, we could all work our way through school and we could all buy a house within a few years. And, And the problem is there's such a disconnect there that the older generations don't recognize just how bad it's gotten. And so what's happened here is you have a young generation of people who even their own parents and grandparents don't understand what's happening very often. And they recognize what's happening. They see what's happening. And then and then a lot of left-wing authoritarian politicians like Bernie Sanders and AOC, they come in and say, yeah, this system has completely left you behind. Well-heeled political cronies, pretty much everything I just said, well-heeled political cronies have put barriers and cost of living increases in place specifically to keep you down and to keep you from being able to thrive. Everything that I've said. But then they say the solution is for government to be even more involved. That same government that put you in that position and made you desperate, you just have to give them you know, a little bit more power. You have to let them tax even more and you have to let them give you free stuff and uh and that will fix it we're taxing the people who robbed you and we're giving it to you that intuitively makes sense when you first hear it Mm -hmm. thankfully we're then able to reach these these folks and say yeah all of this system sucks it was created by the people who are now trying to sell a new plan to you and so like when i talk to college students about the fact that why are you having to go to college when you could just do internship directly under people who do what you want to do professionally. And after however many months or a year or so, they determine that you've reached their level of standard of excellence. You can go and do it professionally. And they go, well, that sounds great, but I can't do that. And I say, okay, but why? They say, because I have to go to school. And I say, yeah, but why? And they go, oh, because, oh... It's because you have to go through what the government has made, has required for you to go through to be able to do it. And it's not to benefit you or the public. It's not for public protection. It's to prop up universities. It's to prop up an entire system of patronage that's been built around higher education. It's to keep... Um, uh, it's to keep the market share protected of the billionaires who don't want new people coming in and, and threatening their, their market share. So it's, it's built around actually trying to suppress, uh, an entire class of people, entire generations of people and keep them from coming up and threatening the, the market share of well-heeled and entrenched billionaires. Uh, and I got news for you. The policies of the same government who imposed that on you are not going to make it better. The politicians who signed off on those legislation and are now going, oh, uh, this is terrible. I'm totally going to fix this if you vote for me one more time. They're not going to do it. The Republicans are not going to save you from what the Republicans do to you every single day. You have to vote outside of that. And the only viable option is the Libertarian Party. We are the only ones who have the ability to actually come in and dismantle these systems and put the power back in your hands so that you can thrive and prosper in ways that the Republicans will never allow you. They actually have a vested interest in you not thriving and not coming ahead and being reliant on them and being anxious and desperate so they can sell you on more and more bad ideas.
1: I, I feel you, I mean, R- Rigo, what do you think? <laughs> Well, I,
0: question, I guess. Well, I'll start with my, with my stance. Like, obviously, American military, we always do great when we have a Republican in office. That's just, just the way it is generally. But I find myself leaning libertarian this time around. I'm seeing more and more people around me also leaning libertarian. So There's I guess it's kind a of a softball.
1: Military movement of, of libertarians that I've, yeah. I've seen. With the last election, a lot of them were kind of more... Republican Democrat, but then in the past six months, I've seen it. Yeah, and I know huge. you've probably seen it. A lot of my battle buddies have all been like libertarians, like throwing it out there, and yeah. I see as to why. So,
0: so are you finding that there's there's more people? or this this groundswell that we're experiencing on our end? Are you so? Are you seeing more people actually in, engage with the Libertarian Party? That like, not asking for exact figures. We're just yeah. yeah. How's how's it going as far as the, the growth? Because obviously mainstream media won't cover it. They only talk about two candidates.
2: <laughs> and that's exactly, that, exactly Rico. They're not going to cover it until it's such a groundswell that they simply can't ignore it. And then they'll cover it as this came out of nowhere. No, it's been <laughs> happening. And, and then they'll try to like break it down and vilify it. What is this uh, absurd movement that's come out of nowhere? Where, where, who's behind it? No, this has been building for months and years now. And yes, to answer your question, we're seeing that across the board active duty, uh, combat veterans. Um, we're seeing it from, uh, uh, from, uh, uh, gun rights, uh, supporters who recognize that the Republican party has utterly failed them on gun rights, uh, small government advocates, uh, people that, you know, recognize that the Republican party grows the government faster uh, in the last three years than the Democrats could have ever hoped to. Donald Trump has spent and run up more debt in one (laughs) term than Obama did in two terms, even though Obama held the previous record, he nearly doubled the national debt. And now Donald Trump is actually pay on pace to outspend and out in debt him in four years. Um, and so, you know, they recognize you that. Try that hard. You got to try hard. <laughs> you got to go in for a penny, in for uh, $11 bing, trillion. Dollars. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean they recognize that they're never going to get their constitutionally limited government from the Republican party. We're seeing it on the left. We're seeing it from black lives matter protesters. We're seeing it from people who have been fighting for civil liberties and, 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 and that really isn't just left that's across the board, but people that are fighting to end police brutality, to end the militarization of the police state. We're seeing it across the board, people who have been sold a bad bill of goods from Republicans and Democrats who speak to their base and tell them what they want to hear, and then go into office and completely screw them over and give them only the worst part. Parts of what either side, the, the Republicans say, if you vote Democrat, they're going to do these terrible things to you, and the <laughs> Democrats say, if you vote Republican, they're going to do these terrible things to you. And then a, a mixture of Republicans and Democrats get elected and only do the terrible things. Right. None of the stuff that they promised almost never happens. So, <laughs> we, you know, so we're uh, uh, immigration advocacy groups, um, people that uh, are, are recognizing that the government completely failed uh, when it came to COVID. And I shouldn't even say they failed. It was illegal for two months to test for COVID-19 while it was already here. And we can get into that later. I mean, that's why it's so bad here is the federal government actually told medical professionals, it is illegal for you to test. We are making our our own tests. They keep not working even though they're apparently fairly easy to make unless you work for the government. Um, you, you being in the military <laughs> yeah. certainly have no idea what I'm talking about, government being bad at stuff, yep. but okay, uh, great, doing things inefficiently and, and, and costly in a costly way. But so, no, that we are seeing that groundswell acro- across the board. People that have said to me, uh, you know, I never even thought of voting libertarian. And it's a little bit of an ego stroke because they're like, but then I heard you. And I'm like, you heard <laughs> but, but it's not me. I'm just the one who said it. It's not they heard me. I mean, I guess maybe it's a little that they heard me, but no, it's it's not that they heard me specifically. It's that they are finally, that you have a, a groundswell of people who are recognizing in a, in, a, in 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 a, an incredibly acute way during one of the most desperate times in, in recent memory, certainly in our lifetimes, that the Republicans and Democrats have failed you. All of this that we're experiencing right now is a direct result of their bad policies. And whether you fall on the left or the right or the center, what ends up happening is they realize that they're not going to work again. They're not going to save you. They created these problems. They're not going to save you. So yeah, we're seeing that groundswell across the board and it's, and it's incredible. It's it's everything that we said would happen.
1: I I think that's great. And I, I like, I I like it that it's getting so big because it's just proving that people are, are listening and they're looking for other outlets and they're not just trying to get that confirmation bias of seeing what, what they only want to see. Um, I have some questions for you. Sure. Like uh, here in the last couple of weeks, we've had some of our viewers message us about the questions. And also I've seen a bunch on the side. So if you're watching us and you see me look down and look over, <laughs> I'm listening to Spike, but I'm writing down your questions so I can get to it. Right. I'm
2: trying to be a good host. You're being a great host. You both uh, are doing a fantastic job. I'm very proud of you. Try I best. Thank hey, you. Hey, I got here late, you know. I only asked <laughs> ask one question. Come on. Yeah, I mean, you're doing It was a fantastic <laughs> question though. Yeah,
1: you you've been doing this for for the the podcasting, right? So you've been uh I was looking at some of the the Muddy Waters one and you that was back in like 2003 you started?
2: No, so Muddy well, is Waters Was that mean,
1: another podcast that I found?
2: That was probably another podcast <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, no. In 2003 I was still a neocon. Uh I so we have been doing our muddy waters has been around since 2016. I started my show in 2018. I've been doing libertarian messaging for five or six years now, um, and 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 went on to doing like podcasting and shows uh, just over two years ago. Um, but I, I was already pretty well. Um, Involved. I was already doing appearances on other people's talk radio and other people's podcasts for years before that, and then I decided to start my own. Um, I, my background is actually, I um, I started a web design business uh, in 1999. I was seven, uh, just I I was just about to turn 17, and I started my web design business. I grew that into a fairly successful company. Uh, and, uh, I retired from that three years ago so I could focus full time on doing libertarian messaging that led to doing the show and, uh, and, and now to, to, you know, running for VP.
1: That's, that's awesome. I mean, starting back in 99 with web design, when, when web design was new, that was a the new concept. I mean,
2: Relatively new. Yeah. It, was, it, it had been around a f- four or five years in earnest, but mostly for large businesses. So, it, websites, companies that had websites were like Adidas and Sony and Microsoft. And you didn't hear like your, you know, your, your the, you know, a restaurant up the road had a website or, uh, you know, something like that. Yeah. Unless you were in a big city. Like, and so what I was offering, which was websites for small businesses. Almost no one was offering that in our area, and so I saw a, a, an opportunity to really disrupt the market and to do something that uh, allowed me to not have to go to college, which was a big preoccupation of mine, uh, <laughs> and to not have to work for someone else. I basically just—I had my laptop, I had my software, I—I uh, I learned how to use. And when I say software, I was using a text editor initially to make the websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so you know, my software. Uh, but so, and then I would go around and basically offer websites for free just to build up my portfolio. For, and I did that for a few months, uh, almost a year. And then I started you know, actually charging for it after that and had a pretty diverse portfolio. And by the time I was done, I was towards the top end of what the price uh, point was for web design, just because I was so established and was actually having to fill slots and stuff like that. But so yeah, that's, that's what I built and it was pretty successful. And it has afforded me the ability now to, to focus full-time on this. And I'm, I'm grateful for that.
1: So old person question, um, because I remember using (laughs) I remember using the internet back then. You know, Mm -hmm. we had dial up. Um, How difficult was it to try to build a like code with dial up?
2: (laughs) So so my first few websites were actually with dial up. Now we had, uh, and when I say we, I mean I was living with my parents still. I was sixteen. We had a line just for internet. So at least I wasn't like, mom, get off the phone. I'm trying to make a website. Like, I mean, it was, you know, at least we had a line I could go on. But yeah, no, the first few sites I made was like, you know, you did the dial up and the the modem noise.
1: And all that. You enter some
2: code and you wait for it to boot. (laughs) Yeah, I'd have to wait for it to boot. And then I would upload it. Now the websites back then, the entire website's file size might've been three megabytes. So it's, you know, things have changed. The reason we have much more dynamic sites now is because we all have broadband now. But I remember in, 2000 when we got broadband and it just was like, I can just go on the internet and use the internet and, uh, and, you know, be able to upload my websites in 15 seconds instead of, you know, seven minutes or whatever. So no, it's, it was, it was brutal. I mean, it was, it was brutal, but it was also the way, like, you know, what we're doing now is obviously, functionally impossible back then it was the websites we were making was like the biggest bells and whistles were like scrolling text and stuff like that (laughs) this was late 90s websites it was it was the kind of stuff that like I actually like a few years later some of my original people that I made websites for I was like listen I'm gonna make you a free new website just because I can't show this to people like it's it's you know like you know oh six oh seven I'm like if someone looks and sees that I made a website and they're gonna be like why does this look like the space jam website? Like, you know, it's like, you know, things have changed so much. In things have fix, changed. So what is this?
0: scrolling <laughs> glitter text? Yeah.
2: what's with the scroll? Yeah, Why is there a tie dye background? And like, a, <laughs> what's the frog gif about? Like, you know, so I, I was, I was, you know, un, kind of redoing stuff to make it more professional. By the time I was done, I was doing mobile responsive design and I- including embeddable media and, 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 you know, social media and live streaming and everything else. So, I mean, you know, ultimately we, I progressed with the, with the market, but no, those first websites were rough, man.
1: <laughs> I could only imagine just because I get frustrated just doing the podcast stuff. Right. Uh, you, you have it's a podcast so easy, man. <laughs> There's, it, it is so easy. There's a lot that goes into it and you're learning different programs and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just enough tech savvy, like through just high school and stuff that I right. can function as a person, but I even get some points. And then Rico, who is, much older than me. He's, he's your age. He'll be teaching me stuff because he actively is researching. He's upgrading his computer. He's trying to build websites and shit. And I'm look, just, I get like, involved
0: in something and I go all the way in. So
1: know, can, hey, you, me.
2: Yeah, you're like me. Yeah, I I I Rico's I like, I'm gonna learn how, how to thing build thing a
1: supercomputer today.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, and that but that's the thing. So that's how I've always done it. I'm like, I'm going to start this business, and I end up becoming like one of the most successful web designers in the region. Um, I was like. I think I'm going to tell people about libertarianism. And like a few years later, now I'm the VP nominee. Like it, it, it's like, I just sort of like kind of go full hog into stuff. I'm like, I, I, uh, and I mean, people are already talking about if I want to run in 2024 and I'm like, I wanted to just talk about liberty, but I mean, here I am. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's funny how it's happening, but, um, but yeah, I mean, so I you mean, you have
1: I, a voice and you have sense and you have a, a passion, like people can see the passion. And I think that's what drives them away from a lot of politics is they see, yes. They see a passion for a different thing in that person's eyes. Like
2: they see the, the, the pandering. way you talk
1: about the, yeah, they see the pandering. The way that you talk about it, uh, I, I can see that you actually care because you're knowledgeable about the facts. You're not writing on emotion. And you, these people who don't know the facts, they're just trying to get power or you know praise. They power on emotion.
2: And they also, you know, it's funny because you at the beginning of the of the show, you said, you know, is there anything you don't want to talk about? And I'm like, if I ever reach a point where I'm saying, oh, let's not talk about this because I don't know a lot about it. I don't want to run anymore. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't still be successful in running because that's kind of standard issue for Republicans and Democrats and and politicians in general that they like, "Uh, I'm going to avoid this. and I'm not going to talk about this. And we have an embargo on talking about this because and really what they're saying is either I don't know about this subject. And I don't know how I'm supposed to lie to you about it, or they're saying we don't think this subject polls very well, and so I'm not going to talk about it. Even if you care about it, it's the only thing that you even care about, or it's why you're uh, running for, it's why you're you're thinking of voting for me or for someone else. I don't care enough about it, and and you know our our focus group showed the voters don't care, and that leads to really bad policy because if my policy is built around how what can I pander the best to. That's really bad, because especially if I'm in a, in a situation where I'm having legislation handed to me by the very people who have helped craft through their corporate media, craft the narrative. And they go, well, we've crafted this narrative sufficiently where we think they'll now agree to this takeover, this additional takeover of their lives and this additional theft of their power and property to make us wealthier and more powerful. And I go, well, if it pulls well, then I guess I'll do it, Where as opposed to what Joe and I are doing is saying no this entire thing needs to be scrapped. We need to to dismantle the systems that they put in place because they're not working. Actually, they are working. They're working as intended. They are not helping the people. What they're doing is taking from the people and they're basically redistributing their wealth, what little wealth they still have, to this relative handful of people who own the majority of the wealth anyway to begin with. And not because they've Provided value to the market, not because they become wealthy the the old-fashioned way, but because they basically used government as a means to rob us, mm-hmm. legally rob us, but rob mm-hmm. us, and that needs to end.
1: It, it's using the power improperly. So, uh, yes. into the questions. Uh, sure. What kind of? I want to start going down the t- the tick of um, your guys's platform. Okay. Um, and I have it pulled up here. I have some questions from our viewers. Uh, mm-hmm. First off, is from. Carrie, a good friend of ours, she asked, um, "Will will you try to grant clemency to Edward Snowden?"
2: Yes, uh, Edward Snowden, reality winner, uh, Julius Julian Assange. Uh, 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 Ross Ulbricht, who's not a whistleblower, but he's he was railroaded all the same. Uh, we have a whole list of people that will be like Leonard Peltier, uh, who is a, a, a indigenous rights activist who was framed for murdering police when it's obvious that he didn't do it. Um, in fact, they didn't even have real evidence that he did it. They just kind of framed him up. Um, there's a there's a whole host of people that we will that we will give full we will give not just clemency but actually full pardons to. So
1: people that actually were doing the right thing and got stonewalled for it, not people like, you know, Roger Stone or...
2: <laughs> exact Yes. Roger Stone or there were some, uh, I forget their names now, but uh some, uh, uh, uh I think they were Navy SEALs who committed murder. They, they committed oh. atrocities yeah. and they were pardoned for that. And they didn't say they didn't commit murder. They just he just pardoned him. And, and this is the Republican version, the, the, the new right populist version of supporting the troops. They're not supporting you. They're supporting war mm. at your direct detriment because we're not the ones going to war. When I was a neocon, I was a chicken hawk. There wasn't a shot in hell that I was signing up to do any of the stuff that I was advocating for y'all to do. I was like, yeah, we need to bomb Iran. Now go bomb Iran. Like, I mean, it it was not anything I was planning on doing. It was something I thought someone else should do. So this new idea of supporting the troops, the way you support the troops, the way you support our combat veterans is stop making more combat veterans. We know that we are not being made more safe. We know that we are sending people to either come home in in, in flag-draped coffins or come back with PTSD or or, uh, chronic injuries, uh, traumatic brain injuries, or even just the trauma of what they've been through over there. And we know that we're not safer as a result of of it. What has happened, this has only benefited military contractors, their craven politicians, foreign dictatorships that are being propped up in order to keep our our global hegemony overseas, and uh, and, and oil contractors and other various military uh, uh, or government friendly contractors. That's who's benefited. Uh, surprise, surprise. It has been to the benefit of the cronies and to the detriment of literally everyone else. And so that's why you're seeing this groundswell of support among, among people in the military. That A, we want to bring the troops home and and, and and bring them back to the states where they belong to do what their job is. Protect us against invasion and aggression. Not to go and work at the behest of foreign dictatorships and, 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 and get into these entangling alliances that the founders warned us against. And then B, the ones that are already combat veterans, the ones who are already, uh, you know, veterans that have health needs. We know that, the, that anyone who thinks nationalized health care works, I submit to you the Veterans Administration. <laughs> it costs more. It costs a lot more to run the Veterans Administration than it would be to simply give each of you the money that you need to go and get health insurance and pay for health care. Like it would cost markedly less. I think like 30, it's 30% more or something like that than just the cost of giving. And and that includes continuing to give you disability benefits. It would still cost less than just having this veterans administration. So why do we have it? Because they don't want you to do well. They want veterans to be in a bad situation when they come home so they can grandstand on it and get reelected on it. So they can say, we're going to reform the Veterans Administration, for you, the veterans, that you can finally get the care you need. They know that's, I'm a swore, they know that's garbage. They know that that's a lie and they say it anyway. They want you to be desperate. They look at things like the high rates of addiction and homelessness and suicide among combat veterans and and veterans in general. They're fine with that. They want that to grandstand on so they can keep getting reelected as supporting our veterans Supporting our veterans would mean fixing that problem. And you fix that problem by dismantling that ridiculous system and putting the money and the power back in the hands of the veterans where it should have been all along. Because if you did a thing, that you, you did it on the promise that you would be taken care of, so let's take care of them. And then let's un, un, make it so that we're not creating ever new generations of people that are having to do these, this fighting at the behest of contractors and dictators and at our direct expense causing blowback where people who come to resent and hate us join terror groups. For no other reason to fight back against these invasions and bombings and destabilization and all of this garbage. We fought in Vietnam for for how many years? I don't even remember now. Tens of thousands of troops lost. We now have great relations with Vietnam. Why? Because we trade with them. (laughs) So why would we not apply that everywhere else? So anyway, so we bring the troops home. We treat the veterans right. We 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 stop creating new combat veterans so that so that you know, there are people that are I know I'm ranting but this is a I'm very passionate about this hey, subject.
1: You, you do your passion. I, I feel it. Like...
2: <laughs> there are people fighting in Afghanistan who were born after we had already started fighting in Afghanistan. Yeah. At this point, we have to acknowledge that maybe whatever objective we were told was going to happen is not going to happen. We just saw last year the Afghanistan papers uh, came came out, which basically demonstrated that for the entire time. The entire duration of the Afghan war from the beginning to even now, even a few weeks before it was released, the government has been lying on every single thing thing they have said. Every bit of information that has come out has been a blatant lie or mischaracterization of what is happening on the ground, which is what you could have found out from talking to any person who had actually served in Afghanistan. And I've had friends that have served in both Iraq and Afghanistan. And they tell you just like anyone else that served in Afghanistan and or Iraq, that everything that was coming out from government and their craven media, that it was all garbage. It was all lies. And it was all built around giving us making us comfortable with this idea that, oh, well, you know, we're over fighting over there so we don't have to fight over here that's garbage it's a lie they knew it was a lie they've always known that it was a lie you know and they'll say and they'll they'll say things like well you know america's at war america's not at war the military our troops are at war america's watching netflix and we are so <laughs> watching removed. King. we're watching tiger king right priorities we're fighting. We're watching Netflix and ordering stuff on Amazon. We are so removed from what is happening over here. And then when the troops come home and they're dealing with PTSD, and their buddies are are coming sometimes on the same flight and bought in in, in flag draped caskets. And and what do we do? We go up to them. We go, well, thank you for your service. I I I probably did the wrong arm. I'm sorry, but I mean, you know, we go and we go. We go, thank you for your service. No, no, no. That's not what you do to someone who did all of that. You stop that from happening in the future so that we stop victimizing entire generations of people who signed up to protect us. And then the ones who already did it, you treat them right. And you end these ridiculous programs that are not helping them. And you just put the money in their pockets so they can go and get the health care that they need.
1: No, I, I agree. And So uh, one thing when people you know, talk about the war in Afghanistan and Iraq is and how you kind of know that it's ultimately bullshit is um, we're currently in talks with the Taliban to get rid of ISIS. That doesn't make fucking sense.
2: While at the same time, the U S government is funding the Saudi Royal family and Al Qaeda in their fight against the civilians of Yemen, killing over a quarter of a million Yemeni civilians, including over 80,000 children, because it hurts Iran's relations with the Yemeni government. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's all a lie.
1: It's all just a ploy of politics. And it's just, I agree. We need to pull out. And don't get it wrong, people. That at, When you join the military, you set up with the fact that, yeah, you're, you're going to get deployed. You're going to fight overseas. I mean, it, it's it's a potential that we are aware of. And Absolutely. especially nowadays, Absolutely. We're, we're over there actively. So mm-hmm. you just know it's a roll of the dice to get over there. Yeah. I've been in for eight years. I've never deployed just because of the units that I've happened to land at. Right. right. Um and Enrico's been in for a hot minute. It's just, it's the same thing. You you go to a place that's deploying, yeah, one unit's not going.
0: Yeah. Next year, though. I'll take a hiatus next year.
1: Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> he'll be able will deploy for me. He'll be recording the podcast from Kuwait. Uh, <laughs> but we, we do need to pull back, I, 80, I think. Man, yeah. And just the that, that thought that I see soldiers every day in the hospital, they come through, they hand me their cat card, I look at it, and it says, born in 2001. Yeah. 2002. Yep. And I'm like for one that makes me feel old. Uh and for two, it's just w- w- why? Like you're being involved in this shit that was done well before you. It's as if like if we, if we were still and we're still over in Korea, but that's kind of we're just there to help and be there as a stage force, we're not at war. It would be as if the Vietnam war was still going on. And I'm there and my grandfather died in vietnam and if i was still there it would, no one would let that happen it would be obscene
2: yeah and even in uh so we, we when we talk about bringing the troops home we often think of like afghanistan and 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 you know syria like we we think of the hot zones but if you look at you know we're in italy and and germany we're in these other countries and the thing is what, that, what happens there is it creates this sort of codependent relationship between the U.S. government and other governments. So, for example, the reason that European countries are able to have these lavish social safety nets is because they don't have to pay for defense. They don't have to have a military because we're subsidizing that. We are being forced to pay for the subsidization of their defense. Which is not a direct and immediate benefit to us. Uh, it, it was arguable that it may have been during the, the the time when NATO, I'm told, was necessary during the Cold War. Although now we're finding out, and again, that's stuff that's leaking out now, is that the the most of the the rhetoric around what the communists were planning to do to us was largely false. Most most uh, I've spoken to a I'm getting off on a whole rant here, but I've spoken to <laughs> people true. who lived people who lived in the USSR, and I said, "What were you told about us?" And they're like. We were told that there was a country called the U.S. and you know that it was you know in it was on the other side of the planet and that you you know that you you had some crime problems that there was a lot of crime in your country and uh and that uh that there was a lot of division and, and disagreement over stuff that your government did and I'm like. We were told that you hated us and that at any moment uh, we could be in a nuclear war and that we needed to hide under our desk. I was that last generation of kids told to hide under our fucking desk if the bombs go off. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll fix it. That'll fix it. Hide under the bed. Yeah, yeah. Get in the closet. That'll fix you. That'll solve it. But so, you know, we were told, you know, and they hate us and they were indoctrinated to hate us from the very, and they're like, yeah, we weren't told any of that. We weren't told to hate you and we weren't told that you were told to hate us. It was like, Mm. oh, so that was a lie too. So Even if it was needed during that time, which I'm increasingly finding it was not, uh, it certainly isn't needed now. And what it leads to is two things. It leads to us spending trillions of dollars to subsidize the defense of other wealthy nations that could more than afford whatever defense levels they wanted. And it also creates this infantilization. It creates this like... Uh, this, like, uh, a paternal relationship where we act like we control Europe and tell them what to do, and they all kind of resent us. But then, if we ever talk about leaving, they go, Oh, no, 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 you can't leave us. That would be irresponsible. And it's like, it just leads to this, it's codependency as policy. It is a codependent relationship. It is, just, and it's as toxic as any other codependent relationship. And it's not helping anything. It's not, it's not making anyone safe. It's just creating, it's just bureaucracy on top of bureaucracy on top of bureaucracy. So, I would say, get the troops out of other countries that's not we weren't even the, the founders didn't even intend for us to have a standing military and if we are to have a military whatever size it looks like it needs to exist solely for the purpose of protecting the american people and protecting the constitution which is what you signed up for correct me if i'm wrong i know i'm still ranting correct Go me if it. i'm wrong did and anywhere in your oath did it mention protecting the republic of germany uh can't say that it did. That okay, be. there we go. Constitution <laughs> does defend. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, protect and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. I, I'm. If I butchered that, I apologize. But I don't
1: remember. <laughs> it was eight years ago.
2: Do you do this? Yes, I do it. Where? Where's that? Yeah, can I get I did lunch it eight now? years ago
1: in a room <laughs> with twenty other dudes doing this, and then I got done, and we're like, "Fuck! What did you just do?" I will totally
2: <laughs> do this. Where? Where does? Is this part of the GI bill? Do I sign a GI bill? How does that yeah. work? No, yeah, they no, showed so,
1: me on a bus and they shit my ass to Fort uh, over in Fort Jackson. That, that's how yeah. that day went.
2: Okay, what's well, <laughs> it? Okay, so then I, I believe that that's what you signed up for. Uh, yeah. To, yeah, not to repeat. So repet- you
1: want us to do basically what every other country does?
2: Whatever Thank you. Like, okay, so we the say the only uh, reason
1: why the UK is over in Germany is because they're at our base. Same way with like we have UK. Uh, I think like a two-star general here on Fort Hood. They're a liaison. Yeah, here, here here Blitz, we
0: have a uh, we have a unit from the Bundeswehr, but they're just a unit, not they don't have a, a base here. Yeah, oh, it's we because
1: we have this intercultural thing, and I right, mean, right, right, uh, They're it's mostly the UK more than anything. I see that Co uh, station with us. Uh, I started yeah. in Germany. I started in, in Korea and over in Poland, but they're about the only ones. Uh, there's it- not a Finnish base. In right. Germany.
2: <laughs> and and, you know. and more than likely, the UK's uh, involvement is just treaty obligation fulfillment. I mm-hmm. guarantee yeah. you it's not because of any actual need. It's because something they signed said that they'd have a unit in wherever. And so they do that. It's not well, like, like, oh, like my gosh, we need. Yeah, we need 12 uh, British people in Germany right now. Stat, please. You know, we need you here. It's, <laughs> okay. it's all going to fall apart. Like, that's not how it works. And so. The, the, what 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 Joe Jorgensen calls for is bringing the troops home and making America into one giant Switzerland armed and neutral we are at our best when we have. Relationships and friendships and trade with all, and entangling alliances with none. If someone is threatening, is an active and clear and present threat to attack us, I'm not saying we wait until the bombs are dropping here before we do something. I'm saying that the idea that we need to occupy dozens of countries around the world on the possible threat that someone might do something at some point, in fact, here, here's someone who's signing up to do something because we're here. That's proof that we need to be here. This is it, it it's a very brutal realization happened that pulled me out of being a neocon when I believed that the reason we were attacked on 9-11 was because they hated us for our freedom and they wanted to spread radical Islam around the world, and therefore we need to use whatever level of violence again. We you, y'all, not me, y'all <laughs> need to use whatever violence is necessary to bring peace to the world and kill as many people as possible to bring freedom. And freedom. so and I yeah, for freedom. Kill for freedom, bomb for peace. And, I, and I, I believed it. I believed what they told me. And this annoying prick, Ron Paul, kept saying, uh, no, this is blowback. And I go, screw you, you hate America, you Muslim lover, whatever I've said about him. Okay? Every year, he would make predictions, and they all came true. And I started thinking, uh-oh. Maybe I should listen to what this guy is to saying. Uh, Matt Kibbe was one. There, there, were, there were many people who were saying this. They were in the conservative sphere saying, hey, guys, if you want small, limited government, maybe running a worldwide imperialist empire is not the way to do it. And, and so I, and, and it, it hurt my, my national pride or whatever. But over time, I had to start listening. And I thought, you know, uh, Ron Paul had a video. There's a video of Ron Paul's speech where he says, imagine if China were bombing our country every day and sending troops in whenever they felt like it, and installing puppet regimes for our government. And your children grew up to fear sunny days, because that's the the days that the the drones and the bombers can do more targeting. And so they know those are the days that they're most likely to die. Imagine if you were in that mindset for years. And now imagine a group of, of religious zealots show up and go, you know, uh, God wants us to fight back, and we're going to fight back against these infidels and, and, and kill them, and we're going to take the fight to them. I am shocked that there isn't more support for ISIS and al-Qaeda in those countries. It just, to go, it just goes to show how much the folks over there just want this to end. Please, just stop this. And I'm not saying that every person over there is a good actor. Hamas is not a good actor. Uh, ISIS is not a good actor. Al Qaeda is not a good actor, which is why our intelligence services should stop funding and arming them. Uh, But what I am saying is that there are no good actors in power there. We need to bring the troops home and allow the healing to begin. We will have better relations over there when the bombings stop. And when we have trade, and when people on both sides have more and more reasons not to go to war, we're not going to go to war with Canada, even when we get pissed off at them, because we have way too many. First of all, I have a home in Toronto, so we better damn well not go to war with Canada. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we 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 have too many you know relations, and and we have too many. Uh, you know, uh, 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 trade and 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 other things that it would make no sense to do that if you create those trade relationships and those diplomatic and 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 individual personal relationships. We're not going to go to war. That's not how humanity works. I've ranted for a very long time about this, but no,
1: oh, I mean that's it's the basis of it all. Um, yeah,
2: I know you have questions. That's why I'm I'm.
1: I have some. Uh, I'll let Rico ask <laughs> one if you got one. Yeah, Rico, you've
2: got, you got the whole thing of questions there. I'll just you just go
0: go <laughs> through what you have. I know. Sometimes uh, what George happens is, is I don't like in dead in.
1: space, and so I jump in, and Rico's like very quiet during the whole time, just because. Just yeah, can we give, I I Rico know- some ha- give
2: Rico some questions? <laughs> so him, someone give Rico some questions. after. So someone ask
1: some questions, the, in
2: the comments. Um Let's let's look in the chat.
1: Um, while he's trying to find those, so we we we've gone over like China, North Korea. So you actually hit a lot of my questions, just kind of going that's, through.
2: That's that's what I end up yeah, doing. So. is I like premonition. <laughs>
1: um, clear blanket one, marijuana legalization.
2: Yes, we're ending yes. the war on drugs and freeing all of its victims from prison, period.
1: So war on drugs, so with that, I, I see that. Do you mean all drugs? Yes. So cocaine, heroin.
2: Everything. So so Everything. here, here's whatever drug we're talking about. And first of all, let me just... Me personally, I've been sober for 14 years uh, and I have no intention of doing any drugs. Uh, I don't think getting intoxicated is a good reason, a good idea in general. Uh, I also don't think that putting people in cages for it uh, actually helps them, especially you know, when we think of drug dealing, we think of like the wire and we think of like, you know, these kingpins and cartels. The vast majority of people that are in jail for selling drugs are drug addicts who were supporting their habits and we saw what happened with prohibition with alcohol the the reason they had legitimate concerns about alcohol people who drank too much alcohol. They were more likely to, to, you know, be spousal abusers and and family abusers, people who, and I say drink alcohol, like they're drunks, not just, they drink alcohol occasionally. People that are drunks are more likely to have
1: alcoholics.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Alcoholics and and, and people that had drunkenness problems. Uh, you know, these, these were people that, you know, were, were, you know, more likely to, and it's still true to, to this day, more likely to have problems with, you know, keeping a job more likely to be homeless, more likely to have, you know, all sorts of issues. And, you know, back then they had all the morality stuff. They were more likely to swear and whatever but so here but but so they did prohibition addiction rates went up (laughs) the price of alcohol went up everyone was still drinking alcohol and now criminal elements like al capone like the mafia like joe kennedy joe kennedy made so much money selling alcohol illegally that he built the kennedy dynasty that still exists to this day on the strength of it like this is You know, they they, see it as a
1: good thing uh, like a lot of people that know that history, they see the prohibition as this overreach of government and the people who fought against the prohibition as like almost local heroes.
2: Exactly. Which they were. We still idolize the moonshiners and the rum runners and understandably so. That's what we have today. It's literally the exact same thing, except instead of alcohol, it's, it's marijuana, it's cannabis, it's, it's, it's cocaine, it's meth. And I'm not saying you should smoke meth. I'm saying that when you take someone who has an addiction to meth and you throw them in jail, they're still doing meth in prison. They're now being used for slave labor for however many years they're in prison. They come out, they have a felony record. They're still on meth. They are still taking meth. They were able to get meth in there. They're still taking meth now that they're out. Their life has been ruined by the criminal record. They are not getting the help they need because they're criminalized and they can't actually get help for what they need because it's actually illegal. Did you know if you had a friend who was overdosing and you brought them home and like helped them get clean and you don't have the tens of thousands of dollars of licensing that you require to do that, you've actually just committed many uh, state and federal crimes? (laughs) Because illegal it's, illi- oh, it's also illegal and to doesn't surprise me at
0: all but it doesn't surprise me
2: well, and it's it's illegal to give sandwiches to homeless people out out in the park, too, in most places. So I mean, you know, it's illegal to help people in general uh, unless you spend tens of thousands of dollars to get permission from government. Well, but by
1: doing that, you're you're bypassing government subsidies. you're
2: You're bypassing government subsidies and you're not letting them skim from the top of what you're doing privately. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all that to say, The war on drugs doesn't say drugs are good. Everyone should do drugs. Ending the war on drugs says we're going to treat addiction as a health problem, which is what addiction is. Most addiction comes from mental uh, trauma, uh, chronic pain, or some combination of those two things. If you address those things, and I'm not calling for new government programs, I'm saying just simply allowing people who want to help people to help them instead of throwing them in jail, which costs a fortune to the taxpayer and 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 creates uh, billions of dollars in revenue for billionaires who, who contract their prison labor, ending that system, which ending the, the war on drugs also ends the militarization of the police state. We have military surplus programs where they're not just giving the military surplus equipment to police, they're giving them the training for it too. So police officers who are in our streets and our communities every single day are increasingly getting... Training on how to use military equipment that was designed for military purposes, from military training contractors, the same people that show up and train you how to use the weapon systems and whatever else that y'all are using. They then show up and teach the cops how to do it and then basically unleash them on our communities, having just had their heads filled with how to use breaching equipment and mine resistant personnel carriers and tanks and everything else. But and that's what
1: you have the you know, SWAT teams for, and I never understood the militarization of the police until like with the riots, yes. I saw them driving around a fucking striker. Why does my local police department need a striker? <laughs> well, it's, and that, that's- it's that eight wheel big 17 ton vehicle. <laughs> I, I use that on a daily basis in Germany as a military vehicle. Right. My, my county sheriff does not need a fucking striker.
2: <laughs> Strikers were designed for, correct me if I'm wrong, for urban warfare in Iraq, correct? That, that's yes. It was because the tanks weren't doing the job well because tanks are designed for like, you know, like warfare with other tanks. And so they're using Abrams tanks, which are loud. You can hear them coming from blocks away. And, uh, and so they weren't effective and they were slow and they weren't designed for that. So they came yeah. up with the striker, which is mine resistant. It's designed to actually do urban warfare. And so now they have them in our communities do urban warfare. Yeah, this is I mean, a problem.
1: I understand them getting like breach training and some SWAT training because if, if they need be, they might need if to needed, use it. But yeah. There, there's, there's no reason to have anti-personnel weapons, uh, you know, striker vehicles because you're not going to go seize a small diplomatic state in Kansas. Like you're just, you're, you're trying to breach a house of drug dealers or something like that. Or, you know, gun runners or something yeah
2: or someone that someone that's taken hostages or whatever i get the need to have some kind of breaching stuff but you don't need armed drones the los the los angeles school district didn't need the 23 grenade launchers that they got like what 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 (laughs) is happening in your schools that you need grenade launchers i don't even have one of those (laughs) small towns are getting the first generation of armed drones that were used in afghanistan why what are you doing with predator drones (laughs) like what, why, what, what are you, what do you have planned? You know, you know, these things have mounting equipment for hellfire missile. Why do you need this? What is this for? Um, so, so no, we end that we end civil asset forfeiture, which is the program where, uh, government, uh, it's, it's sponsored by the federal government and and enacted by the States where, uh, government steals from you before you go to trial. You know, the time that you would need your stuff so you could pay for your own defense and they use your property to pay for your prosecution, which is a total violation of the Fifth Amendment. The, the whole idea that you own stuff shouldn't be able to be used to incriminate you because again, you haven't been convicted yet. You're being tried. And if by some miracle you're able to be found not guilty or have the charges dropped, you then have to pay money you do not have because it was stolen from you to sue the government to get your own stuff back, even though it was just determined in court that there was no reason for them to take it from you in the first place. So we would end that program. We'd end the no-knock raids. We'd end uh, the mandatory minimum sentencing. We would end the, um, the uh, warrantless surveillance uh, and, and wiretapping that happened. It's very clear from the Fourth Amendment that they have to have a warrant. Warrantless anything should be completely off the books, uh, or should be completely uh, you know, out, out of uh, any conversation of happening, and yet it's becoming routine. And, and, and what did they do? They said, well, we're, we're just using this to stop the, the terrorists, And then they said, well, we're we're just using it to stop the drug dealers. And now they're saying, well, what if someone's not wearing a mask? This is what happens. So it happens that it always starts with we're going to stop the terrorists or we're going to stop the pedophiles or they find the most, you know, hated, understandably hated people among us. And then over time, suddenly it's being used to prove that, you know, we ran a stoplight. Or that, you know, we that we were in, in the wrong place at the wrong time or whatever, like or that we, you know, sold someone some, so, you know, a, a sold someone a joint or that we were you know present when when a, when an assault happened or something, um, which is not what police are supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be respecting us as being innocent before proven guilty and in going through a process uh, so that they can't just, you know, railroad us through kangaroo courts. And so that's, you know, we, we'll end all of that as well
1: so you mentioned something about um fines earlier mm-hmm. so or or some other degree so someone who's you know is not necessarily using drugs but if they're you know a small theft stuff like that mm-hmm. um is also with, with ending the war on drugs is it are you then going to make it legal to sell some of those drugs
2: yeah, I mean if, if it'll be a it'll be
1: war on drugs. So like your local crack dealer is now an enterpriser.
2: He's an entrepreneur. Yeah. They're an entrepreneur. <laughs> they're now they're now get we we are finally allowing people to compete compete with big pharma. I mean look at how alcohol is now. At one point there were gangland battles in in our streets that were worse than what we're seeing now. On a daily basis. And now that same alcohol that people were killing each other with Tommy guns in the middle of the street, uh, the St. Valentine's Day massacre and multiple other uh, which they used as an excuse to pass laws against machine guns, which we would also get rid of. Um, But the you know, all of these, all of this stuff that happened uh, over a fight for turf for the very same alcohol that you can now go to Walmart and buy or go to if you're in a store in a in a state that requires you go to an ABC store or whatever to go to a liquor store to buy to go to your here they sell beer in in gas stations like you can go anywhere and they're not killing each other in the streets over it because why the hell would they they're not in a in a black market it would make no sense for them to do that they're for market share for each other. they're not they, well they are competing but they're competing you know Legally, they're competing with advertising. They're competing by giving you the best deal and saying, well, you know, oh, they're selling three, they're selling this for five bucks. We'll sell it for 4.75 or, you know, $4. And, and, uh, you know, you get 10 cents off your next fill up of gas. Like, you know what, like that's how it works. If you allow the market to actually do it outside of the black market, if you make, you could take the most, you could take beef and make it illegal And there would be cartels killing each other in the streets and gangs killing each other in the streets selling Chuck steak like that's how it works. It's not anything uniquely wrong with that product. It's that you've made it illegal and put it put it in the black market. So yes, by by making it legal, you now are able You you've now made this something that that people can sell legally. And, and by freeing the victims of that war against drugs and taking those records, taking their, their felony criminal records off of them and allowing them to go back into the world, they can now thrive. They don't have that 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 those those strikes against them. They can actually try to rebuild what's left of their life. And at the same time, we're going to be removing all of the other regulatory burdens and taxes and barriers that make it hard for all of us to try to get ahead in life so that we aren't reliant on major corporations and the 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 the, the uh, you know, the. Uh, uh, the benevolence of the government that robbed us of everything to give us some of the scraps of our own bread back to keep us alive and then tell us, well, if it wasn't for you, you wouldn't be getting any any of these scraps. No, if it wasn't for you, I'd still have my whole loaf of bread and it wouldn't cost me. We tell people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. What we don't tell them is that the bootstrap license is $50,000. We get rid of those Uh, barriers and burdens and taxes and requirements so that people can go and thrive so that they don't need the government's help. So yes, to answer your original question, yes, selling drugs will be legal.
0: (laughs) So I've got one. And I'll start by saying uh, the libertarian groups on Facebook, they have the best Memes, <laughs> we were
1: talking about that before the show. The yeah, 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 yeah. Their campaign's gonna win purely on, the board.
2: yeah. We're gonna win a <laughs> meme, a, we're gonna be memed into the White House, like, we'll actually ride into the White House on a wave of memes from the Joe Spike meme army.
0: So, in this particular meme I saw, it mentioned, uh, as a part of your platform, uh, I guess defunding or reducing the budget for education can you can you tell me about that because i've got two age children and i just want to i just want to hear the stance on that because that was yeah. something that
1: and for us on the podcast we're 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 big on education um
0: doesn't look but, like it but yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right we're, we're, we're big in education we think that the current education administration is doing <laughs> shit and it has been for years and people aren't educating they're systemically implanting things in people's heads so
2: Oh, it's a total it's everything you could expect to come from Republicans and Democrats giving centralized one size fits all control of 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 the government uh, to in in the case of education, you're going to get federal government indoctrination because that's what their program is. So uh, in the 1970s, the Department of Education was created. The Federal Department of Education was created to deal with the crisis level, low uh, literacy rate Mm. in that time. We've spent nearly two trillion dollars. And the literacy rate has continued to drop uh one of the other crisis things that would that they said it would address is the fact that the uh student to teacher ratio was too high it's higher now uh now
1: like 12 to 1 back then
2: something like that i don't remember the exact numbers but it's higher now it's it's higher now and growing uh because they're not hiring teachers they're hiring administrators and bureaucrats the student to bureaucrat ratio is at record lows Uh, It's almost one to one sometimes, Uh, but it's not that's not solving anything because bureaucrats don't teach children. Teachers do. And uh, they said that there was this, you know, growing problem with uh, teacher um, uh, teacher salaries. Well, teacher salaries relative to the average American salary is largely the same as it was when the federal government got involved. It's almost as though the federal government had no business getting involved in education and that it has been an utter and complete failure as it is supposed to be. And this is the problem. Libertarians recognize that solutions are best handled as locally as possible by the actual principles that are involved by that, by the people who are actually directly affected by whatever given thing we're talking about, education, healthcare, whatever else. The best decision that's going to be made by something that really affects just me and Rhodes and Rico is more than likely going to be best determined by me and Rhodes and Rico. And if we have I did, did that wrong because it's the mirror. <laughs> Rhodes and Rico. Uh, uh, education's terrible. Isn't that right, Rico? Uh, yes. So, yeah, so no. Uh, and the problem with whether it's education, healthcare, or anything else, when, the, when, when people come in and pander to us to be our heroes and say, I'm going to fix this at the federal level, what they're really saying is, I am going to create a system that creates a one size fits all approach for 330 million people living across a massive land mass and an island thousands of miles away, and another landmass that's closer to Russia Russia than to us. And it's going to work for all of them equally, and it's going to cost billions of dollars. And most of the legislation is going to be written by well-heeled billionaire cronies uh, who have a vested interest in making money off of what we're doing. And they're going to put their bureaucrats in place who will be in this revolving door between being in these companies and being in the administration, uh, in the, the, the agency that we've created. And uh, they're going to have nearly uh, unlimited regulatory authority. So your legislators that you elect are going to have little to no oversight and being able to change anything because they've already abdicated their power and responsibility. And uh, I totally promise you that this is going to lead to good outcomes. It never does. But this time it totally is. Libertarians believe that there are essentially two ways, uh, there are actually three ways to get something that you need. One is someone voluntarily just choosing to give it to you. Another way is through competing providers who say, uh, you know, I'm gonna give you this deal and the other provider says, I'm gonna give you this deal. And then yet another provider comes in and says, I'm gonna give you this deal. And you get to choose, uh, you, know, you become, the, as the consumer you become king uh, or queen by being able to, to decide who's giving you the best value. The third way is for a monopoly to do it and to say, this is what I'm going to give you. Take it or leave it. (laughs) Take it or leave it. It's your only option. I know it's your only option. You know it's your only option, and I know that you know it's your only option, so take it or leave it. Government's even worse than that. They're a monopoly that you can't leave it. You just have to take it, and common sense tells us that if you are only getting a service from a monopoly that claims the authority to make you pay for the the thing, whether you're using it or not, and will use whatever level of violence is necessary to bring you into compliance under immediate threat of harm, we should not be surprised if we get harmful and inequitable and abusive outcomes from such a relationship. It started that way. It's only going to continue that way. So the Jorgensen Plan for Education is to give people their power and money back that's been sopped into this federal program and put take that power out of the hands of the craven, pandering, lying politicians and their bureaucrats and favored cronies and putting it back in your hands. The power, the decision-making, the money and everything else back in your hands so that you can make those decisions with the educators of your children so that you can actually have better educational outcomes for your children. And you can make localized, community-based solutions that are going to fit your needs for your your children, in your community.
1: So is it privatized schooling or by state schooling?
2: It is getting the federal government out of it and allowing you to decide what it ends up looking like. Does it look like a state program? Does it look like a district by district program? Does it look like just giving everyone their money back so they can seek out their own free market solutions or some combination of those things? It is best decided by the actual people on the ground. One of the most freeing things about le- being a libertarian politician is I don't have to try to pretend like the other politicians do that I know better than you how you should live your life. I recognize I don't even have a clue how you should live your life. What I know is that I want to give you your power back and give you your wealth back so that you can make those decisions in a way that allows you to have the best outcomes because I am not some omniscient being who's you know sitting upon some... you know. Uh, sitting upon some cloud and, and raining down my ideas and saying, oh, I know, I know how, how this is going to fix your problem. Rhodes, here you go. All you have to do is just give me all your power and then I'll fix it for you. That's not how it works. You're welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> Rhodes. Rico, you're so welcome. Um, in fact, you're, you're actually above me in this, in this uh, <laughs> arrangement right now. But no, so I, I, I recognize that the two of y'all know what's best for you and your loved ones and your families and your communities far better than me or any other politician would be in D.C., Give the power back to you. If you think that it's best handled by the state, great. If you think it's best handled by your individual city or school school district, great. If you think that it's best handled by individuals working voluntarily in a completely free market system, that's also great. It's up to you. Hmm. Okay, uh, That, that like
0: definitely that. comes up for me. I was just like, I saw it. And of course, a meme doesn't have, hey, this means that. right? So it, was, it was the thing that like. You know, I've been. I've it been just defund the area.
2: schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, defund the schools, but now that now it makes a lot more sense. Right, right, right. I appreciate it. Absolutely.
1: No, <laughs> so, I mean, I I like I like that because I mean, and then you're gonna have a little bit of difference because then you know certain states are gonna start instilling different things in other states, and then but that creates kind of if you want to then have your state have a better rating, you can then compete and do and upgrade your own things on your own own stuff the fact exactly. that we still teach one of my biggest things and i've ranted about it on the show before is the fact that we still teach about columbus and what columbus <laughs> did oh
0: uh, god we're gonna get or, it started
1: yeah right doing it again <laughs> <laughs> the, the fact that we still teach it the way that we teach it to kids drives me fucking bonkers because i didn't learn the truth about it through my own and it's not because i like watched a podcast people or, like read a meme i looked into it i read some books and shit um and it blew my mind on the reality of what Columbus was and did, and how his name became this big education thing. And um, you know, people think, "Oh, the Native Americans gave corn and taught the Pilgrims." <laughs>
2: it was oh, fucking. Happened. Yay! The white people are here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Native Americans were like, "No, <laughs> we were super hoping you'd come here." <laughs>
2: Yeah, did no, they're like, oh, finally. Hey, you bring some freedom with you? Like, you know, no, it's, it's, no, it's, it's a joke. So I, <laughs> I grew up in the Deep South. I, I live in South Carolina. I went to, uh, I was homeschooled some years and public schooled other years. So when oh, so I was- So you public- learned
1: about the War of Northern Aggression.
2: The, oh God.
1: So yeah, <laughs> when,
2: so when I went to school uh, and we were in social studies class, history class, social studies and history class, the teacher would give us the official books that told us about slavery and how it. it was a very odd take about slavery, mm-hmm. and this was our official book. And then she would have us watch stuff from like PBS and uh, and NPR and like these other programs, and be like, "Okay, this is what I have to teach you because it's your school curriculum." Now let's go watch what actually happened. And it was <laughs> completely different. It was like the actual That's a history. Good teacher. It's, she was a good teacher. She was a great teacher. She I had know many to do, of them would just be like it's in the book. She would require us to read this and say, because this is what your test says, and you have to respond based on this. Now, now that you've done this, let's go actually learn what happened. Thank God. Because what has happened is there are kids my age who didn't get that. They just got the official curriculum and they're right now going, Well, what was so bad about slavery? I mean, they didn't even have jobs back home. Like, what was I mean? It was bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why we were being taught that in the 1990s, and then we were going to be set free into the world where we would be immediately cancelled <laughs> prior prior to social media existing. We're filled with this garbage, and we show up and go. Well, it sounded like they got a good deal. They had houses, and what? Like, I mean, you know, like that's what we got. And then, and and then, God forbid, we go out and speak to someone else, and they're like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Well, that's what I was told. But so, oh, I mean, I
1: first that, learned about the war of of northern aggression. War of I'm
2: northern like, aggression. Yeah.
1: It was my buddy from Texas. We were talking about the civil war and mm-hmm. he was talking about the Alamo. And I was like, Oh, well the civil war. And he's like, civil war,
2: Northern aggression. Yeah.
1: He's like the war of Northern aggression. I they mean, just attacked Idaho us out of nowhere. Like, yeah. We, we were just <laughs> we like, we were just, we just want
2: minding our business and the union just attacked us. <laughs> what it, the hell? <laughs> right. So I, no, I mean, it, it, it's, it, and, and we got that too. We got the whole like, well, we were really fighting for state's rights to do what?
1: <laughs>
2: to that part was left out. To do what exactly? And so our teacher, that was another thing. She had us read the, uh, um, the uh, Declaration of Causes of the different states. And all but a, a handful of them specifically referenced slavery and said, you know, we're fighting for the right to continue owning these people that we don't think are fully people. Because we only white people are fully people only white people are the, the, the Constitution was written for white people and that's what we believe and we don't believe it was written for black people because we don't believe that they're fully human. Like that's what it said in some of these things and they were the, the school books did not say that. they said something but a lot, lot different and it, and it makes sense that people that are in their a lot of people that live in South Carolina that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, They say the stuff they do. It's not out of hate. That's what they were taught. And, you know, now it's hard to reteach them stuff.
1: I I agree. And I hope, I I hope that that sounds like a good plan. I hope it would change and I hope people get educated more because I feel like we're in this current spiral of politics because people aren't educated. um, And they got so used to just being fed information in school and the incorrect information that they now don't seek out education information and don't, don't get me twisted people like college is not seeking that. You can get education information in different ways, um, but people just aren't doing it. So it's, I, I love the interviews when they go to Trump rallies or they go to uh, democratic conventions and they ask people about these topics and these about subjects.
2: actual subjects. Yeah. yeah about yeah. Actual
1: subjects. And they have no idea and not just like common sense history questions, but platforms that their candidates are on. Or I love it when they read quotes, and that person goes, "Oh, that's that's wrong. That's not right." And like, yeah, your dude said that. <laughs> yeah, like he quoted that last. Yeah. He, he verbally said those words.
2: Right, right, right. Uh, it's on the internet. It's there forever.
1: Perth <laughs> is saying hi because he doesn't know how to internet and watch on his own. Yeah, day. I was gonna
2: say the podcast is telling us that. Yeah. We're doing that, a great job.
1: Perth <laughs> uh, is our inept. Uh, electronic person okay he's not great at it so he's currently watching through our page watching us rather than <laughs> doing it through
2: no you? this is a nice affirmation that like the podcast <laughs> yeah as an entity thinks that we're doing a great job on the podcast
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> um rigo did you have any any more i had have, have a few uh hit it hit it and then what's we should your favorite boy band spike oh, that was in you the grew chat up for in sure. the nineties
2: my favorite boy band, oh man, probably the one. Okay, so the first boy band I ever saw was New Kids on the Block. That was like when I was a kid, and like, <laughs> and like I was just young enough where I could like be into them, and it wasn't like gay. Um, and and like, no, but no, it's it was like because I was like you know eight, right? So it was yeah. cool to like like the songs or whatever. So I probably New Kids on the Block because by the time some of the other ones came out, I was already like a teenager, a young adult, and I'm like, I can't like be into In Sync. Or Backstreet Boys or whatever, like so. I'll, I'll, I'll go with NKOTB.
1: That's, that's not that's not a bad one. I like. It. By the way, there's
2: nothing wrong with being gay or or LGBTQ or anything. I just I'm not gay, and and uh, you know, and there was a whole social thing back then, so it was it was different. it was. It wasn't a different
1: time. It was if you liked Backstreet Boys. I mean, I remember being <laughs> in high school, and I I liked. Uh, I actually liked Spice Girls, not not a boy band.
2: Buddy. So I was actually, I, I don't, I don't mind the Spice Girl. I don't, I actually like the Spice Girl too, but I, we were actually asked in my famous uh, discussion that I had with uh, Chris Taylor Brown's kitchen uh, two nights ago uh, on my show, um, we were asked, you know, a, a deal breaker question, who, who is the best Spice Girl? And we both almost immediately answered Scary Spice. Um, scary spice. It kind of tells you the kind of guy I am. Um, <laughs> definitely, definitely Scary Spice.
1: I, I'm more of a baby ginger spice kind of guy, but, That's right. you know, scary. It was spice. always
2: posh. It was always posh.
1: It was always Really? Posh. It, the, the question was not, it was never a question. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't get posh spice. I don't I, get I think posh. I don't get posh. I, don't. I mean. I don't get I don't posh. Know.
2: Scary. It's was scary was the actual so, answer.
1: Uh, kind of that, that little segue, you know, the LGBT. So, one of our friends, Heather, she's been on the show. She's a mm-hmm. huge advocate for the LGBTQIA. Um, plus. Plus. Community. Yes. Um,
0: Just don't the the PR or else I'll lose my shit.
1: <laughs> no, oh, no. that mm, <laughs> I can have some tolerance, people, but let's not be dumb. Um, so, one of the big things, and it kind of it, it struck a chord with her, and then I know throughout the community, was the – transgender or the, the, the trans right health care that uh, President Trump put in a, yes. was that, a few months ago. Yes. So how do you guys kind of stand with that? And I, I see a good build of the LGBTQ community within the Libertarian Party. Um, how do you guys... What, what's your consideration when it comes to that community, I guess, is my best
2: question. So for those who don't know what, what Rhodes is talking about, the, uh, basically the, um, uh, the Trump administration decided to rule that, because uh, the, they have the regulatory authority to do so under the uh, Affordable Care Act, uh, that insurance companies can deny uh, services, uh, medic- required medical services for transgender people. That even if a doctor or a medical professional determines that it is necessary, an insurance company can say that it's that that they just refuse to do it for whatever reason. Many libertarians initially thought that this was a good idea—that you know that that you know companies shouldn't be required to do business with people they don't want to. Insurance companies only exist because of government policy, so. It started with FDR's wage caps in in World War II and has continued on since then. Comprehensive health insurance is something that didn't even exist as a market-derived thing until government imposed itself on the market and created a requirement for comprehensive health insurance. Otherwise- it wasn't needed it was not something people wanted we don't have comprehensive car insurance where you pay thousands of dollars a month but they take care of your flat tires and you know broken win- you know broken window or if uh, you know when you need gas they pay for your gas uh, but you end up paying a fortune more cuz you're paying for it as one big bourse of of comprehensive coverage we we don't do that that's not we, health insurance used to be a nuisance fee that you would pay every month uh, if you wanted to and if something catastrophic happened they would cover that like a chronic illness, or or you know some terrible thing that's going to cost a fortune, uh, you know a big accident or or injury or something like that. You to just pay for healthcare out of pocket, and that kept prices down. Because if I'm a doctor and I'm charging too much for my healthcare, no I'm not going to have now. any patients. Yeah, I'm not going to have any patients. So so it, it, it is the so the health insurance industry and the whole monster that's been created out of that, which now to the point where it's actually mandated to have it we can't not use it. And it's and it's essentially an extension of government at this point. And if you have a service that trans people and everyone else are mandated by law to use, but then they're not required to provide the necessary services that we're required to pay for, that is an inherent violation of our rights there because you made us pay for this. Okay, great. Then we have to be covered. And I'm, I'm not trans, but I'm just saying anyone. And people went, oh, well, you know you're violating their religious convictions blue cross blue shield wouldn't decide not to cover a trans person because of deeply held religious convictions they do it because they think it's politically expedient for them to deny services to 1 to 2% of the of their of their of their clients um and save a fortune doing so if they thought it were politically feasible for them to deny services to white people and still require them to pay premiums they'd do it they just Obviously, there's way too many white people for them to be able to do that. But trans people are a small enough group where they can marginalize them and say, yeah, we're not going to pay for it. Screw them. And so, no, we're completely against that. Uh, we would undo that. And what we'd actually undo uh, also is all of those mandates uh, and those uh, regulations and taxes and subsidies and everything else because those things all contribute to over 75% of the cost of healthcare. That's before you get into c- certificate of need laws. That's before you get into the patent protection stuff we were talking about earlier. Just the red tape that has been created by the federal government with insurance and and the, and the, 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 the regula- regulatory burdens of Medicare and Medicaid have driven up the cost of healthcare over seventy five percent. Imagine if your healthcare costs were a quarter on the dollar what you're paying now. Just from that one thing, how much more affordable would your healthcare be? Suddenly, the vast majority of Americans could afford their healthcare again.
1: That and then that makes sense. And with the I, I as a healthcare mediocre professional, uh, <laughs> I a could, healthcare
2: enthusiast, a, a healthcare, <laughs> healthcare <laughs> hobbyist.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, i'm a medic i know just enough to make sure you don't die immediately
2: right um, you'll die later yeah not, it, not in front of me
1: yeah no i've <laughs> handed you off you're no longer my problem um i i can't feasibly think of turning someone down when it comes to a medical thing if it's when it comes to if it's your own privately owned business you know making cakes or whatever it may be right, like right, your own right. if you want to turn someone away that's you that's your business but as a medical person person it is your job to treat people and why would you you could have that conviction where you don't want to treat that person that person needs medical care even if it's elective or not it doesn't matter
2: it violates your Hippocratic oath so unless you're doing something that violates your medical ethics you think it's not required you think that it is going to do more harm than good then your oath requires you to do it but this is even worse because this isn't saying, oh, if a if a Christian doctor doesn't want to do uh, trans surgery, well, why would they even know how to do such a thing if they're a Christian doctor? Anyway, uh, you know, it, it's not that. It's saying insurance companies that were mandated to use can deny service to us if they if we're a small enough group that there's not enough political blowback for them to to not be able to do it. And that's the doctor
1: could say, yeah, no, I'll do this, but then it has to go through your insurance insurance
2: company. Yeah. No, the doctor is the one saying this treatment, whatever it is, is medically necessary for this patient. And the insurance company goes, yeah, no, nothing for trans people. Sorry. But they still have to keep paying premiums by law. They still have to keep paying us by law. It's so we would, yeah, we would completely undo that.
1: And so I'm, I'm trying to, I'm looking at my notes. I'm trying to come up with more questions and, um,
2: I've it's seen immigration so... come up in the,
0: uh, in the, the chat. What's the, what's the high level on? Are we opening borders, closing borders? What's, what's the stance?
2: So what we had for the first 100 years of the United States existence and, and what the founders intended is actually what one of the reasons they stated uh, in the Declaration of Independence why they were declaring uh, independence from the crown uh, was that they believed that it was none of the government's business where we go. If someone comes here and they want to work, it's none of anyone's business. If they want to come here and buy property, it's none of anyone's business. If they want to come here and marry someone, it's none of anyone's business. If we want to go somewhere else and come back, it's none of their business. Uh, it only becomes their business if we want to become citizens. If someone comes here and wants to become a citizen, now there's whatever government process to become a citizen. Because now you want to vote and and be you know have diplomatic protection when you go overseas and so forth. But if you were you, just
1: here, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be privy to any of the things that the government provides. You wouldn't be privy to it unless you wanted to become
2: a citizen. You wouldn't be privy to it and you wouldn't be required to, you know, uh, uh, provide paperwork proving that you should be here. If there's enough of a demand for you to come here that you came here that's proof that there was a reason for you to come here. And, and, and it's none of the government's business. Um, and so that's why for the first hundred years of the US's existence, we had unlimited, unregulated migration to and from the US. Uh, and all of the things that the closed border, the border control advocates tell us, which incidentally sounded very similar to what the, the gun control advocates tell us and any other control advocates tell us that everything's going to fall apart and we're going to be overridden with crime and they're going to come and live on our welfare system. we all going to, you know, it's uh, everything. All 7 billion people are going to come into this country and want to live on our welfare and everything's going to fall apart. None of that happened and none of that would happen now. And I I can give you proof of that. Beverly Hills, and I forget where it is in Florida somewhere. It's one of the the zip codes for Miami beach. Their per capita income is a hundred times higher than the national average or 50 times higher than the national average. Either of you planning on moving there?
0: No. Okay. So you, but but not, not anytime soon.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So we know that there is a place that we can legally move to at any time that we want and make potentially tens or hundreds of times as much as we are making where we are. And yet we don't. And the reason is because people don't move to get a slightly higher level or even a largely higher level of comfort. If people feel their relative level of comfort where they are, the vast majority of them are going to stay where they are because their needs are being met. That's how it works. When I go and I go to some place and I go, how on earth can anyone live here? It's because they're comfortable there. They might come to where (laughs) I am and go, how on earth could this guy live here? But the point is, we are comfortable with what we have. The reason we have people coming here is because the situation where they are is so desperate. And in fact, the most recent wave of migration that's happened from Central America has happened as a result of the US government destabilizing Central American governments. And it's causing political violence and people are fleeing because entire communities are being round up and killed because they voted for the wrong party. And so they're now fleeing and they're not able to get the paperwork from the government they're fleeing. So they're coming here without paperwork and saying, I just want to be able to have asylum, and then eventually, I'd like to be able to work. And there's you mean clearly we're causing de- our own problem. <laughs> Can you believe it? I, I know if that's a shock to you, I apologize. But so that's what's happening. They're coming. They want to work. They want to be able to flee the violence that they come. When my ancestors came here to flee the pogroms uh, in 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 Russia, they heard the same thing. They're coming with their foreign ways, and they're lazy, and they're coming with their foreign religions, and they're coming to just destroy everything America stands for. That's not what happened. We came here and we built something and now we're just as American as anyone else. That's what happens. People come here to partake in the American dream, which incidentally is becoming more and more difficult because of those barriers and burden that government puts in place. So we'll be removing those burdens so that people aren't in a situation where they find themselves competing with people who just got here who can barely speak the language. If you've lived here your whole life and your uh, ability to to thrive is so threatened by government... Uh, by government barriers and burdens on you, that as soon as someone gets here, possibly even illegally and can't speak the language and you're competing directly with them, I would have to argue that the people who put you in that position are the real threat here, not the guy who just got here, who's trying to make Mm -hmm. ends meet. You should already be in a much better position, and you would be when those barriers are removed. So it's, it's, a, it's a complex problem, but the answer is to go back to what the founders intended, to reopen America to the level of trade and migration that we as individuals deem fit to have.
1: I think that's great. I mean, one of the things that I hate the most is when people yell at other people, go back to your country. The only group of people that are allowed to say that are Native Americans. That's it. It's the only group <laughs> of people allowed to say that to anyone. In the it's, United it's,
2: States yeah and 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 they'll usually say go back to your country if you don't like it and I'll say okay so if you don't like the National Firearms Act and Obamacare and are the IRS and the ATF and the DEA and all of the things you don't like and if you don't like Nancy Pelosi and uh, and Chuck Schumer and the Democrats and AOC should you go back to your country because I I, I want to see some consistency on that one that's a I <laughs> I don't like that. But so, no, I mean, it's it's the, the, the problems that that come are not coming from immigration. They're coming from the barriers and burdens that have been put in place by government. And when we agree that, OK, I guess we'll have control of immigration, we are agreeing to a massive police and surveillance state, not just on our borders, but in every single thing we do. Now, if you want to get a job in most state, you got to go through the federal E-Verify program. Why in the hell am I having to give my personal information to the federal government because I want to get a job? Why in the hell in some states you if you even get my utilities wife had
1: to do it five times in the past 2 weeks.
2: It's absurd. If you want to go and get get uh in some states utilities put in your name or or you know get a, a lease signed, you have to go through a federal database. What the why is that their business? It's not. And then you have ICE rating, you know, just to prove that these lazy immigrants are coming to get on welfare. So ICE shows up to a business and arrest people for working and then puts them in a camp that costs $800 per day per detainee to house them there indefinitely. So not only are people being housed without trial or or or, or even really a stated reason, they're just being held on suspicion until they finally sign a sheet of paper to get deported back home at the cost of $800 per or $770 per day per detainee. Can you imagine the lavish welfare system we could all have for seven hundred and seventy dollars per day per detainee? Or better yet, just let them go and go work and build something for their communities and their families?
0: Welfare I, is actually coming up in the in the chat, so if you if you have a moment for that, see, yeah, I don't want to. So and I didn't want to hold
1: you too long, Spike. If you have a little bit more time, I know you're busy.
2: I'll answer the welfare question and then we'll have to wrap it up.
1: Okay. Thank you.
2: I wanted to give you extra time because I know we had the whole snafu with the last one, so I wanted to give you that. Uh, so welfare. Uh, government shows up to poor people, beats them up, takes everything they have, buys them a crutch, puts a little bit of uh, crumbs on their in their palm and goes, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have that crutch. And you wouldn't have those crumbs. Now, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have my leg broken and I'd have my whole loaf of bread that you took from me. It is, I, I've done... Uh, door knocking tours in housing projects and, uh, and, and oh, communities of all different income levels, but specifically in this conversation, uh, poor communities, even in housing projects and every person I talked to almost every person I talked to had a side hustle. These are not lazy people. These are people who cannot get ahead because of the laws that are in place. So if you are poor, you have nothing to your name. It is illegal for you to have money in your bank account, or they will kick you out of your housing. So you can't get ahead, you can't build a nest egg. You have to stay in housing. So that means now you have to just hold the cash on you and here's what happens. So let's say you're a good handyman, okay? And you wanna be able to get ahead and build something by being a handyman, but you can't afford the thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in compliance laws to be able to be a handyman legally so you have it as a side hustle. You go around and say, "Hey, yeah, I can do this for you, but don't make a big deal of it. We can't advertise it or anything like that." Uh, and so, you know, I, I'm I'm doing, you know, I'm going and 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 I'm doing handyman stuff under the table. You know, don't tell anyone. Which, by the way, this is just building resentment between the police and the public because the public is like what are we being protected from handymen and people that can do our hair and people that can, you know, cater our events and stuff. How is this protecting us? Not but so actual
1: criminals or
2: actual, threats. like violent criminals. When they call the call 911, the police show up many, many, you know, quite a, you know, an hour later to do paperwork and shoot someone's dog. And so they, they show, so, so they're doing this stuff. They're doing, you know, they're doing work. Like, so you're a handyman, you're going around, you're doing work, you're, you're, you're making a, a decent living. You can't make enough to really build something on and get out of, of, of public housing because you can't advertise. You can't really get out there too much because here come the police to take everything from you. And they can take everything from you because you can't put your money in a bank account because you'll get kicked out of your housing and get knocked off your food stamps. So you got all your money on you probably. So now on suspicion of the fact that you are operating a criminal business, they come in, they take everything from you, civil asset forfeiture. They do not need to try you first they simply take it on suspicion. You now have nothing. You're back to square one. You don't even fight the charges. You go, okay, fine. I just agree not to do it anymore. Now you're actually banned from getting a business license for however many years. Not that it really matters because you couldn't afford it anyway. And you're on welfare because they criminalized you trying to get ahead in life. Again, we tell people to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. The bootstrap license costs five or six figures depending on what it is you want to do. That's the problem. So the problem isn't welfare. The problem isn't the social safety net. The problem is that government has removed all of the ladders that you could use to climb out of the safety net. The way you end welfare isn't by cutting off food stamp and, and, and checks and, and, and housing the people who desperately need it because they've been put in that position by the people in power. The answer to that is to just get rid of those barriers and burdens. Put those ladders back so they can work themselves out of it. Get rid of the laws that make it illegal to help people without paying for, you know, ridiculous licensing so you can feed the homeless, so you can come up with housing for the homeless and everything else. Let these communities build themselves back up. Let inter, 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 uh, inter individual entrepreneurs and and people that want to work for them be able to build their communities up so that they can so that they can uh, patronize each other's businesses legally without worrying about the cops showing up and so that they can then go and build up their communities into something powerful. This is what used to happen. Uh, Black Wall Street, the Harlem Renaissance, all of the Jewish communities that started off as uh, Jewish and Irish and Italian communities that started off as slums and are now some of the most you know uh, 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 valuable communities in, in, the, in the major metro areas that they built them up in. It was because those burdens weren't in place back then like they are now. Remove those burdens and you'll see it happen again. There's some, There's nothing unique about those people that did it before. They just didn't have those burdens in place. You get rid of the burdens, people don't need welfare.
1: Hmm. I, th- I think that's great. I mean, welfare, it, it helps people that need it. And then <laughs> if you keep them in there, then no, I, I like that. They, create other ways so people have somewhere to go. Basically. Let,
2: let them get out of it on their own accord, which is all they ever wanted. I did not meet a single person in a housing project of any age who said, Yeah, I like this situation. And I didn't go in and say, I'm going to cut off your welfare. I just wanted to talk about what they wanted to talk about. I thought they'd want to talk about the war on drugs and criminal justice. They did, but they wanted to talk about occupational licensing more than anything else. Mm -hmm. They got what the problem was. So civil asset forfeiture and occupational licensing were the two biggest things they wanted to talk about. I want to be able to build my business up without someone coming in and taking everything from me because I couldn't afford the license. Okay, sounds great. Let's do it.
1: I mean, so I've met people through life that I, I grew up a little poor, and so I've met people that did, you know, just want to live on welfare, and they do. Yeah, it. yeah, that You're happens. You're going to have too. people like that. You're going to have of people take advantage of it doesn't mean you should get rid of it for the whole majority of people so it doesn't mean you
2: should get rid of it it means that you should allow the vast majority of people that are in it because they have no real viable option out of it to be able to get out of it so that now you're dealing with people that are either in an acute situation where they need help temporarily until they can get out of it or you're dealing with just that that percentage of people that they'd rather just live off of someone else and if everyone's prospering real well that might be able to be handled by the free market too there may be enough people going okay fine we'll take care of that guy You know, he's not going to do anything. We'll just take care of him. But or you just keep the program that's in place now and it's being used by a tiny fraction of the people using it now. Uh,
1: I I hope that could happen. And I hope that this movement in these different points take more of a hold. And I hope that people kind of start opening up their eyes and kind of realizing that the the status quo isn't something that needs to stay and that it will just continue if you just keep going on it'll just get worse yeah yeah it, like you said before the the people that are complaining about the situation that we're in and be like oh i can fix it are the ones who did it the, they're the <laughs> ones who put you in that yeah because they've been in politics for 40 years so they were a part of it mm-hmm. and now they're like oh we'll fix it be like bitch you voted on it 40 years
2: ago you, <laughs> you're still creating you the problem
1: the bill <laughs>
2: Imagine if I'm stabbing you, and I go, "Listen, if you just vote for me one more time, I promise I will stop stabbing you." And you go, "Why don't you stop stabbing me now?" And I go, "You gotta, gotta, you gotta vote for me 1st I'm sorry. And then the vote happens. I go, "Listen, Congress won't let me stop stabbing you. I don't know what to tell you. You just gotta vote for me again four years from now. I'll totally fix this. I just have to keep stabbing you in the meantime."
1: Give me a break.
0: Well, it just took forty years to figure it out. Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: (laughs) Or, or the politics running for president—it drove me crazy during the the Democratic primaries. That a lot of the candidates, um, Elizabeth Warren was doing it a lot. She's like. I have a plan to fix, you know, veteran stuff. It, but basically, she's saying, if you vote for me, I'll enact it. Why don't you just do it? Introduce like, do it into
2: wait- the Senate now.
1: Yeah. Why do we have to wait for you to become president? If you have yep. this brilliant fucking plan to change all of our qualms and issues and strife, fix it. Yep. And the thing is, with you guys, you would if you could. Neither one of you
2: are in. Senate or We're none. not in positions of power. If we get <laughs> no. elected. And then four years from now, we're going, you know, that stuff that we said we were going to do, we're going to do that this time. If you vote for us again, don't vote for us because clearly we've been compromised. But he said it here. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. We're going in and saying, here are the things that we have the power to do immediately. We do not need Congress's help. These are the things we can do right off the bat. We will do all of those things right off the bat. Then we will pressure Congress to do things that we can't do without them. Now, if we're not able to do those things, then that's an argument to get rid of the people in Congress and replace them with people who will do that. But the stuff that we are saying, ending the war is bringing the troops home, ending the war on drugs, uh, ending the IRS, ending the ATF. These are all things we can do just through... Uh, the, the, uh, that, that Joe can do just by firing people and not rehiring them, just by changing the regulatory burdens that, are, that have been set by the executive branch and just undoing them, getting rid of all of these uh, uh, executive regulations that have happened from those alphabet agencies. And that's all stuff that can be done without congressional involvement. And so those are things that we can and will do right off the bat.
1: I, and I think that's how it should be. If a if, if politician is telling you, vote for me and I'll do this are full of shit we should be voting for people who aren't currently politics absolutely or people absolutely. are like hey vote for me and maybe i can do something because i've had this in congress for the past 10 years and nothing's happened that, exactly. that's the kind of guy that should do it and so i wish we had more time to do questions the thing is there's so much shit going on now exactly that you can't possibly hit it all like as you're as you're talking and we're going through the things i'm looking at my list and i'm watching the time and i'm like there's so much more. There's stuff so much we could, spend,
2: we could spend. We could. I do spend hours a day talking about this. So it's it. So I, I I do. I appreciate both of your time and folks. If you like what what you heard, you want to find out more. You have more questions. Uh, feel free to go to uh, Joe Twenty. That's J O two zero dot com. That is our website. It has a breakdown of our, our, our policies on pretty much everything. Um, it has a volunteer form that you can fill out if you want uh, to join our team. If you're able to make a contribution, that would be great. We have a donate button. We'd appreciate any, any donation you can give. Um, and uh, if, you follow, if you have more questions for me, you want to follow and see what I'm doing, I am at Real Spike Cohen on Twitter, on Facebook. I am uh, facebook.com slash literally Spike Cohen or just look for Spike Cohen and I'm there. I'm Spike Cohen on YouTube. I'm uh, literally Spike Cohen on, uh, on Instagram and TikTok for the kids. Put your kids on TikTok. Uh, give the gifts of Spike Cohen to your kids today. Kids love it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best way to reach out to us. And uh, Rhodes Rico, I, I greatly appreciate your time. And uh, I'm glad that we were able to, to have this time to be able to talk about this stuff.
1: No, thank you for coming on. And so next week, next Saturday at at uh, ten o'clock Central Standard Time, we are doing our interview with Joe.
2: You're gonna love that. She's fantastic.
1: We have Joe on, and I'm I'm super excited. Um, and I'm hoping that we. I'm I'm gonna take these questions that we didn't hit on. I'm gonna attack her with them. So
2: well,
0: not attack, but you know.
2: <laughs> no, 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 I'm going in. We're, we're Get a good story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, she, no, she's great. You're going to love her. She's fantastic. She's able to answer, uh, break down real. She's a, she's a senior lecturer. And uh, in addition to being a, a, a brilliant self made entrepreneur, she's also a lecturer. She is able to break down complex ideas in a way that connect with everyday Americans and, and demonstrate point by point and case by case exactly how the Republicans and Democrats have put us in the mess we're in and exactly how common sense libertarian solutions are the way out of those, that mess.
1: I'm hoping that we can hit that, and I'm I'm very excited to get her on. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, if you liked what you guys heard and you saw, please uh, like, share, and subscribe. The Underqualified and Overcompensated Podcast page. We're on Facebook. We are on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all of the major streaming platforms. (laughs) We're everywhere. Uh, Please show us some love. We'll show you guys some love. We hit varying different topics every week. We strive to educate and just bring information to you, answer the questions you didn't even know you had. So that's what we're trying to do. Hopefully someday we can have Spike back on.
2: That'd be great. Um, I love it. I'm I'm just going to badger
1: Brian until he puts you back on before the election. So that's my plan. Um, I thank you all for watching. You guys have been fantastic with all the comments. I'm gonna go back through and read them all right down the list.
0: Oh, I was looking for questions before, and I was like, "There's way, there's not." I'm gonna say, I'm not gonna say too many. There's a lot, and thank you.
1: It is a massive <laughs> amount. Um, again, like, share, subscribe. Please show this to your friends, not for our exposure, um, hmm. but for I, a little bit,
2: a little also bit. Also for your exposure. Yes, right? was, I, so my thing with not just for me, it's for you. What?
1: But I've I've been spamming this and Joe's uh, interview on different groups. And I had someone be like, oh, self-promoting. I'm like, I'm not doing it for me. I want to get this voice out. Um, If you guys watch and you like the show and you see us, great.
2: Help Rhodes help you.
1: Yes. Help (laughs) me help Spike help you. That's all I'm asking. Um, So if you guys liked us, please let us know. Uh, Any comments, let us know what you didn't like. Uh, We're always here to help and improve and check out their platform. Check out Joe and Spike's uh, page and what they're about and ask questions. That's all we can ask for. So from myself, Rico and Spike Cohen himself, the man with the plan and the answers, we thank you guys. Thank you for watching. You guys have been fantastic. All love. Peace.
2: Bye-bye. Bye.